Welcome to the Soul of Islam radio podcast with Ahmed Saqamini and Emil Ehsan Alexander Tarabi. This is episode number six of season one. My name is Ahmed and I'm a researcher in atomic molecular optical physics, a spoken word artist, and deeply committed to sharing the fundamental connection between science and spirituality with our community and beyond. Ahsan is a lifelong student of Islamic spirituality and the creator and founder of the highly acclaimed Islamic Meditation and Eternal Warrior Way programs. He is a spiritual coach, writer, and speaker committed to the evolution of consciousness within the global community. The Soul of Islam radio podcast is dedicated to sharing the deeper dimension of Islam and supporting your personal growth and spiritual development. Today's podcast is on the Prophet and Messenger, Isa ibn Maryam salam, so known as Jesus the Son of Mary, peace be upon him. We will discuss his spiritual significance in Islam, the essence of his mission and message, and his role as Al-Masih, also known as the Messiah. And of course, joining the discussion is our very own brother Ihsan. Ihsan, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh wa maghfiratuh. It's wonderful to be here again, Ahmed, and with you, with our audience. I do apologize a little bit in advance. I'm recovering from a bit of a cold, so I apologize if my voice is a little bit off, but inshallah everybody will forgive me. May Allah give you shifa, ya akhi. Shukran, jazakallah khairun. We will begin with a short ayah from the Qur'an. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. إذ قالت الملائكة يا مريم إن الله يبشرك بكلمة منه اسمه المسيح عيسى بن مريم وجيها في الدنيا والآخرة ومن المقربين. Translation and mention when the angel said, O Mary, indeed Allah gives you good news of a word from him, whose name will be the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, distinguished with honor in this world and the hereafter, and among those brought near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is from Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 45. Now this is a very powerful verse. Many meanings are packed into this ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking directly to Sitna Maryam through his angels, through his malaika. And it is a sign, it is an indicator to the station of Sitna Maryam before giving birth to Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. Maryam, also known as Mary, had such a strong connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that she was able to cultivate the awareness of the realm of the malaika, the angels, to hear this message, to hear this good news from Allah. And what's so beautiful about that is that Allah sent the good news in a form of a word, that word will go from his realm into our dunya, and that word will manifest into a child. In the ayah is the name of that child, his title, his mission, his position, and his station with respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the station of Isa alayhi salam, or Jesus, is, is not bound by time. In the ayah, it says that 
No matter where he is along that dimension, he will always be distinguished by the honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. And the ayah was very specific about his station, meaning that he was among those who were very near to him. You know, prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, is a very unique prophet. Not only because he's a prophet and messenger in Islam, but he neither married or had any children. He appears in the Holy Quran in around 93 ayats. And Muslims also believe that he will also return towards the end of time. But most importantly about Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, is that in the same way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Maryam good news in the form of a word, Prophet Isa alayhi salam came with the Injil, came with the gospel, which essentially means the good news. And, and what is interesting, Brother Hassan, is that you know many Christians are not aware of our connection, of our belief in Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him. Yes, Ahmed, absolutely. I will begin with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending peace and blessings on Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu upon his family, his companions, and upon all the messengers and saints, the pious, the righteous, the humble, the sincere. Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, Jesus, in Islam is known as one of the five great messengers, one of the five great prophets of Allah of all time. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent 124,000 prophets to humanity throughout time. The first being Adam alayhi salam, the last being him, Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, And that these 124,000 prophets were sent throughout the world to all peoples. In fact, Allah says there is not a people to whom a messenger was not sent. And of these 124,000 prophets, there are five which are known as Ulul Azam, the five great messengers. These five great messengers, these five great prophets are Sayyidina Ibrahim, Abraham alayhi salam, Noah, Nuh, Musa, Moses, Isa, Jesus, and lastly Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu So out of these 124,000 prophets, you have these five great ones. And the last before the final prophet is Isa, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, Jesus. It seems that still many among Christians and others do not realize or do not know how dearly beloved Jesus السلام, is to Muslims and how high his station, how high his rank is within the Islamic community. I think it's very important, I think it's very pertinent that we're discussing Sayyidina Isa, Jesus السلام, on this episode and today because I think that his message, his mission, is extremely relevant given what's happening in our world today. Isa, Jesus السلام, had a beautiful message and a beautiful mission. And I think if we could realize what the essence of his teaching was, it will help us as a community take the next step forward. You mentioned, Ahmad, that Isa, Jesus السلام, was the Messiah, Al-Masih. And at the time, the Jewish nation Bani Israel was awaiting the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah to liberate them, to lead them to freedom. Historically, the Jewish people had always been subjugated, oppressed, tyrannized. Very often they were enslaved. And under the rule of 
what we may call unbelievers or those who did not believe in the one God. And the tradition stated that a Messiah, a Messiah, would arise that would lead them to freedom, to liberation. So his coming was eagerly anticipated. Yet when he arrived, he did not behave as he was expected to behave. The expectation was that a king would arise from among the Jewish nation and lead them to battle and victory over their oppressors, the Romans at the time. Yet Isa, Jesus salam, arrived. He arose from within the nation and declared himself the Messiah. Yet he did not come as a king or as a warrior to lead them to victory in battle. He came with a much deeper message and a much deeper purpose. And the essence of his teaching was that the people themselves had lost the way. They had lost the religion. They had lost the meaning, the essence, the soul of the religion. And if they could return to it, to its sincerity, to its piety, to its beauty and excellence, that Allah would grant them victory. But victory, freedom, liberation would be impossible without sincerity. It would be meaningless without sincerity. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He does not change the condition of a people until they change themselves. It's too easy for us as human beings to label, to blame, and to play the role of a victim. But what we have to realize is that we get the circumstances and conditions that reflect to us who and what we are. So Jesus sought his best to try to bring people back to sincerity. But that's a message that people often don't want to hear. It's much easier to blame others and to play the role of a victim and to not take responsibility, to not take personal responsibility and instead seek to lash out at others without changing ourselves. When Jesus came, he saw, he looked at the hypocrisy that was all around and he attacked it. And those who bore the brunt of his dissatisfaction were the Pharisees, the religious scribes, the scholars, because they had taken the religion, they had taken the way and reduced it to but forms and rituals, ultimately to serve one purpose, control and manipulation, the accumulation of power and wealth. So the community, for the most part at that point, had two options, to seek forgiveness, to realize their wrongs and correct themselves, or to come against Jesus, salam. Some of the sincere, the humble, the meek, saw the truth and clarity in his message and embraced him, joined him. They became his disciples. Yet those who were in the power elite, particularly the religious scholars, saw him as a threat to their power. And so they opposed him. They fought against him and they sought to have him killed. This is a messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who came with clear evidence, clear miracles. And yet the very people who were waiting for him were the first to oppose him. It's a clear example of how the ego takes over the nafs, takes over the self, and begins to take over the religion and use it for opposite, use it for the opposite of its purpose. So the essence of Jesus' message, Sayyidina Isa was to return to sincerity, to return to piety and true humility. And he said, when you fast, don't fast as the hypocrites who like to be seen. They have their reward, the recognition and admiration of other people. But they have no reward in Allah's presence because they're not doing it for Allah. When you pray, he said, go pray in your room, in your closet. Don't show people that you're praying. Don't pretend to be pious so you can get recognition from others. Self-righteousness is not part of the way. It is not part of the path. And sadly, we see this when people tend to become religious rather than grow in humility and sincerity and piety. Many times they grow in arrogance and pride and in self-righteousness. They look down on others who are not as observant as them who, or who appear to not be as observant as them. 
And that is a mistake. That's an error. That's not the way of the Prophet Muhammad His way was the way of humility. That is the way of arrogance. And that's the way of shaitan. SubhanAllah, Prophet Jesus, Isa alayhi salam, the people who he was sent to only felt attacked, only felt the opposition because of their attachment to the dunya. Their lives revolved around wealth, the accumulation of it, status, and control of people. And yes, Isa alayhi salam came with a clear message. He came with absolute humility and also came to confirm the message that there's only one God, one and only God, but also to give him good news of what is yet to come. Another beautiful quality of Prophet Isa is his selflessness. And we can see that in the way that he carried himself in life around the people and the community. You know, the title Al-Masih has several meanings, but two that come to mind is one who crosses great distances. But the other meaning, which is very interesting, is to wipe. Because the word Al-Masih comes from the word Masaha. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the miracle of healing. Essentially, that's what Al-Masih did. He would approach people who were sick or ill or blind. And upon just wiping them, touching them, making that connection, he was able to give him healing aided by the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, such acts can only come from a selfless human being wanting to help people, heal people, connect with them, and bring in light into their hearts. There are many such examples of his selfless acts. We're all familiar with the story of Sayyidina Isa, alayhi salam, when he walked upon water, which was one of his miracles. But when we hear of miracles that the prophets, any prophet, performed, we think of it as a favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon that human being, upon that prophet. But there is a completely different way to look at it. Miracles that prophets perform are usually a reflection of the station that they are at. We know from previous episodes we mentioned the purification of the self. And by purifying oneself, one is able to climb up and reach higher stations. And the fruits of those stations, which are only known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his abd, are of those like miracles. And to get to higher stations, you must be a selfless human being. Him being able to walk on water can be looked at as if Sayyidina Isa salam, was so selfless, was so light, that he walked upon earth without an ego, that if he stepped on the surface of water, he wouldn't sink in, he wouldn't drown. Yeah, subhanAllah, that's such a beautiful example of his selflessness. Because he was so non-attached to the physical world, to dunya, and so purified internally of the density of his self that he literally was a being of light, a selfless being, a being free of density, such that even gravity could not hold him down. And that comes from nearness to Allah, that comes from faith, from true belief. 
as a human being develops in selflessness, as they empty themselves of attachments to dunya, we draw nearer and nearer unto Allah's divine presence, and faith becomes real, iman becomes real. So there's that beautiful example where he's walking on the sea, and he asks his disciple Peter to come out and join him. And through the faith of Isa, through the faith of Jesus, salam, Peter steps out and is able to walk on water. But then the storm frightens him. His focus shifts. He takes his focus off of his teacher, off of his master, off of his leader, who is a pillar of faith, and falls back into thinking and into mind, into ego consciousness and self-preservation. And then he begins to sink. And then Isa, Jesus salam, has to go, grabs his hand, and pulls him up and says to him that, Peter, you lack faith. You lack belief. And in other places throughout the Gospels, it's recorded that he has said, if you believe to people, if you believe you can perform works as great as these and greater, meaning that human beings would be capable of miracles, he's pointing to and talking about human potential. What is possible? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created human beings as his khalifa, as his divine deputy, there was no limitation on what would be possible for human beings. Yet that is a potential that can only be realized through spiritual development, through sincerity, through spiritual practice. Now, I do want to point out here on the subject of miracles and power that it is important not to allow these things to beguile an individual. What I mean by that is it's not impossible for an individual, for a human being to be able to, let's say, bend the rules of physics. And it has happened throughout human history. In fact, the degree to which a human being can get in control of their nafs is the degree to which they have the ability to transcend the physical limitations and laws of the universe. Yet the path, the test, is never over. The ego is always there and must always be watched. We must always be vigilant. And even if a human being has gotten to the point where they're capable of performing a miracle, so to say, we still must be careful that their actions and their behavior and everything else is still in alignment with the way of the Prophet And that's why Sayyidina Abdul Qadir Gilani, one of the great saints and teachers throughout the history of Islam, said, that if you see a man flying through the heavens, do not follow him unless his character and behavior is in line with the way of the Prophet Sometimes in certain circles, there's an overemphasis on spiritual power. And this is a trap. The great masters of the Naqshbandi line of Islamic spirituality stated that it was impure for a man, for a saint, for a wali, for anyone to show his miracles because they're a distraction and they're misleading. A miracle must not be used as a means of faith, because we know that when the Antichrist appears at Dajjal, whom the Prophet warned against, he would use miracles to beguile people. He would use miracles to deceive human beings. We must always remember that the way of the Prophet was the way of humility, not the way of power. And we must not fall into the error of worshipping power, of seeking power. That is not the way of the Prophet His way was humility. He was great not because he had the capacity or the ability to perform miracles, 
which he did, but he was great for his humility, his simplicity, his down-to-earthedness. He never used miracles to convince anyone to follow him, for to do so would have been a faulty foundation from the very beginning, because they would not be following him to gain humility and piety and sincerity, but they would be following him to gain power. For those on the spiritual path and in spiritual circles, be mindful of this and be aware the way is in simplicity, in humility, in selflessness, not in seeking power, stations, ranks, unveilings. These are distractions. And the ability to perform miracles are realities. And we should be careful because the ego... When the ego hears of such realities, naturally it would want to acquire those abilities. So we should be very cautious in the sense that we shouldn't want to acquire stations or reach stations. We shouldn't want to reach stations to acquire such abilities, but rather to free ourselves from ourselves to reach the Divine Presence. Like you mentioned, Brother Hassan, these are all distractions. We should be consistent. We should remind ourselves of the direction and the purpose of why we are here and where we are going. Nothing should deter us from the path. You know, there are people during the time of Prophet Muhammad and many before who were so strong in Iman, in belief, that if they were given the entire world and it was thrown at their feet, they wouldn't flinch. It wouldn't affect their Iman inside their hearts. And if everything was taken away from them, they behave as if nothing happened. That is exactly how we should be on the path. It's very true that the ego will do its best to usurp even the spiritual path. Because if we're not careful, we could easily be led into the wrong path. We must not be deceived by our senses, by our impressions, by forms, by the world of form, the manifest world. The Prophet said that the Antichrist, Masih Dajjal, would come at the end of this age and that he would be known because he would have one eye. And one of his eyes would be damaged or swollen and he would only have one functional eye. It is Two eyes that gives us the ability to have depth perception. We as human beings require both eyes to perceive depth. If you had just one eye, it would be impossible to have depth perception. You wouldn't know how far or close things are. So almost in a deeper level, it's as if saying that the way of the Antichrist lacks depth perception. That he only sees the surface, the form but can't see deeper into the essence of things or veils the essence of things. And if we only look at forms, if we only look at what is apparent, we can easily be misled by him. The Prophet said that if I am with you when he arrives, I will protect you from him. But do not depend on yourselves if he arrives and I'm not here because it will be very difficult because he will show you paradise, yet it will lead to hell. And he will show you what appears to be hell but in fact, it'll be the path to paradise. It goes back to not being able to depend on the senses, on the mind. It goes back to being in a state of belief 
deeply connected to your heart and soul. Your heart always knows the truth, but your mind will confuse you. And the way of faith, the way of piety, the way of sincerity is to walk moment by moment through the heart, to live moment by moment through your heart, through your soul, and not through the mind. That literally is walking on water and walking by faith. Total and complete dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than ourselves. It doesn't mean that the self is not useful or functional, but it is then under the control of the heart and soul rather than the other way around. When we can walk in a way that the mind is surrendered and still and that the heart is awake and alive, when we are fully present, that is walking on water. Absolutely. You mentioned the arrival of Al-Masih Dajjal. May Allah protect us from him and fill our hearts with light so that we may see the difference between truth and falsehood. What's also very interesting about Al-Masih Dajjal is that, yes, he's blind in one eye, and it could also mean that you have one eye that looks into the physical world but yet you have another eye that looks into the spiritual world. And the fact that he is blind in one of those could mean that he's completely blinded to that spiritual reality, to that realm. And when we hear of Al-Masih al-Dajjal, the Antichrist, being a reality that we will witness, our minds think in terms of the future. But look into our world today. You mentioned, Brother Hassan, that he will perform miracles, that he will present a paradise to people, and people could be fooled because they will not know the difference. His paradise is a hell when his hell is a paradise. And this is the world that we live in right now. Without that spiritual connection inside the heart today, there is no way for us to know the difference. And you see many of us, you know, our generation has fallen into so many traps because of their inability to distinguish between right and wrong. The Antichrist also resembles materialism. And in fact, we do live in a material world fueled by capitalism, imperialism, terrorism, and fascism. All of these elements are present in our modern world. And the fact that Isa, Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, will return. And this is a belief of the Muslims and the Christians as well. Has a significant meaning. You know, Sayyidina Isa's return means the return of humanity to the essence, to spirituality. We know that Isa salam, was aided by Ruh al-Qudus, the Holy Spirit. His life, his message, and his mission revolved around spirituality. And for him to return during a time when the world revolves around materialism makes sense because our world, our people, are split. It's almost as if the entire world is either on one end of the spectrum or the other. On one end, we have the material world, and on the other end, we have what is now emerging, the 
spiritual community, the the realization that nothing from this physical world satisfies or fills the whole inside the individual. Right now, there is a great need for our return to spirituality. As mentioned in the previous episode, you know, humanity is at a such a low state. And the only thing that could bring us out of this hole is this realization. So right now, there's a point of convergence where we will see these two opposing forces, materialism and spirituality, the physical world and the spiritual world, falsehood and truth, wrong and right, and humanity is at the cusp. And we as human beings need to think and reflect because very soon, and some of us have already, have to make the decision on which side we want to be on. We are exactly at the same point that the community was at the time of Jesus where the religion had become completely externalized and formalized and ritualized, where piety was equated with the observance, the physical observance of forms. Its essence, its spirituality, its sincerity had been completely lost. We are exactly at that same point today in the Muslim community. In the time of the Prophet sincerity was a matter of your heart. Piety was a station of the heart. It was a realization of consciousness. Yet now, sincerity and piety is if you're praying five times a day or not, if you're fasting during Ramadan or not, if you wear a hijab or not, if you have a beard or not, if your pants are a certain length or if you're wearing a certain type of clothing. Everything has been externalized, formalized. Its essence has been lost. And it's no wonder that Sayyidina Isa will be returning because we are exactly making the same mistakes that the people did 2,000 years ago. They lost the essence of their religion. Allah doesn't care. He doesn't look to your forms. He himself says, I don't look to your forms. I look at your hearts, your souls. We cannot equate piety with forms. That's the way of shaitan. That was Iblis, who thought he was the greatest because he worshipped more than everyone else. That worship was hypocrisy. And we must do our best not to fall into that. Islam has fallen into the same trap, into the same error of dogmatism, formalism. And I believe this is why it's extremely, and this is why it's necessary. One of the reasons why it's so necessary for Jesus to be so important now, so prominent, and should be his message, his way should be a focus for us as Muslims to bring us back to the path. We have to return to the soul of our religion. And again, Allah says, I do not change the condition of a people until they change themselves. Look at the state of Muslims in the world today. SubhanAllah. It's an error to point the finger and blame everyone else. The fault lies with us. If Allah was supporting the Muslim community, it wouldn't be in such a predicament. But how can Allah support the Muslim community when the Muslim community is not even believing in Allah? And believing in Allah doesn't mean what you say with your tongue or what you do just on a physical external level. It means sincerity. It means piety. It means humility. It means love. The way of Islam is the way of love. It's the way of compassion, the way of mercy, the way of selflessness, the way of sincerity. If we look at the history of the three great religions and their leaders, Moses, Musa as the leader of Judaism, 
Jesus Isa as the leader of Christianity and Sayyidina Muhammad as the leader of Islam. We look at Moses and there was a strong emphasis on form, on law, on regulation, because that was the state of consciousness of human beings at the time. There had to be laws, rules established to create a functional society. Yet by the time of Jesus it became important now for the message of sincerity, the spirituality of religion the soul of religion, and that was his focus. It's important also to note that Jesus did not abandon the law. He did not abandon the rituals and the regulations. In fact, he said, I have not come to remove one letter, not one dot from the law. I've come to fulfill it, to make it complete, because it is not complete without sincerity. Just like the Prophet said, Your actions are based on your intention. Your prayer can be valuable, or it can be non-beneficial, based on your intention. Is your intention to draw closer to Allah and to become more humble, or to become greater and bigger, more proud and more arrogant, more self-righteous, more ego-based? Isa came to complete and fulfill the path, to make it whole. So we have Moses representing the form of religion, Jesus representing the spirituality of religion, Inside the Muhammad Sallallahu the perfect completion of the path, inner and outer. And that's why Allah said in the Holy Quran, On this day I have perfected for you your religion, and have chosen for you Islam as your way of life. Complete, inner and outer. But we've fallen back as a community into form worship. And it's no surprise then that it's necessary for the message of Jesus to be returned. And interestingly enough, some great teachers and leaders and scholars, saints, have referred to Jesus as the leader of the Sufis. Again, emphasizing that the essence and thrust of his message was spirituality, self-purification, the perfection of your inner being. What can be more necessary for our community today? We must not look to victory over other peoples through force, through violence, We must change ourselves. We must become what we were meant to become, what we were meant to be when Allah said he's going to create a deputy on the earth. And the angels asked, why will they shed blood and create mischief upon the earth? And Allah said, I know what you know not, that there will come a time where they will realize who they truly are, what they truly are, and they will be living vessels of my divine light. They will be clear portals into divine presence messengers of mercy and compassion, healing humanity, taking care of this planet, not destroying it, not living in ignorance, and God forbid, least of all, terrorizing other human beings. What could be further from Islam? And it's not surprising also that Jesus says, on that day many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we did many great works in your name. And he will say, I do not know you. You are sinners. You are criminals. You are not acting in my name. You are not following my path. The same holds true for Muslims, claiming to follow the way of the Prophet Muhammad and bringing dishonor to Islam and disgrace to the way of the Prophet. What would he do were he here today physically in seeing this insane manifestation of those who claim to believe? He who was known as Nabi Rahmah, the Messenger of Mercy, as rahmatan lil alamin, a mercy to all the worlds, 
Subhanallah. Subhanallah. As Muslims, we must be the first to protect the rights of all human beings, of all creatures, of the inanimate world. That was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. He forbid even the cutting down of a tree unnecessarily or the harming of an animal, let alone human beings. As Muslims, as believers, we must be the first to protect the rights of others, to create safe spaces and safety for others. Allah says you are the best of nations. You enjoin what is good, you embrace what is good, and you prevent what is evil. As a community, are we carrying out that responsibility? Or are we so concerned with what we believe and don't believe, creating separation, difference, disunity, pretending that now we're the chosen people to make a real difference in this world? The perfect way of life, the complete way of life, is nothing but Islam. It has been completed and delivered through Prophet Muhammad It is a beautiful jewel that we all have as Muslims. And unfortunately, we have thrown it away from our hearts. And then we blame others for our own faults, our own destruction. When we see Muslims all over the world attacked, their homes destroyed, their lands are being occupied. The first thing that many of us do is blame other nations, other governments for what they have caused. So when we see the Muslim Ummah in such a state, we should not think to ourselves, oh, we're Muslims, why are these things happening to us? But rather, we should realize that the things that happen to us are only a reflection of the internal state of the Ummah. Because we have thrown away such a beautiful jewel, what do we expect but such calamities? The return back to the essence or the soul of Islam is exactly what we need, especially in this moment in time. We have attached ourselves to the external dimension of Islam, and in that external dimension has been ridiculed and that image has been destroyed the image that we ourselves are attached to but islam is more than that we need to know islam we need to learn islam and really apply it to experience the divine realities that come from following the path and when we see prophet jesus he is a clear proof he is a perfect example of what a human being can achieve, of which stations he can attain, and what kind of divine realities he could access. When Isa returns and he descends down with his hands upon the wings of angels, it'll be a point where Islam will return back to its essence. If he were to return now, the Islam that he will follow will not be recognized by many. What we have experienced from Islam is like barely scratching the surface. We must return to the message of Jesus We must return to his message, to his way, to spirituality, to the soul of religion. We are not the chosen people. We are what we do. And unless we're serving Allah's creation, we're not doing anything good. 
If we want to serve Allah, we need to serve His creation. Prophets, teachers, leaders are servants. They don't stand on a pulpit and think of themselves as better than everyone else. They're the first ones to serve the others. Jesus said that he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. He was here purely to serve. And he gave all of his energy for serving his community, for serving creation. Unless we're doing our best to help and heal humanity in this world, we are not following the way of the Prophet Muhammad And even worse, if we become so form-focused, so dogma-driven, that human beings can commit acts of violence in the name of Islam, then what we are doing is crucifying our Prophet We're destroying his message. So now, even us within our community, even us, even we, cannot point the blame at those who are now acting horribly in the name of Islam. What can we do? What can you do? Awaken. You can't change anyone else. And by becoming angry, er, and by falling into anger at what's being done in the name of Islam, we fall into yet another trap that keeps us from developing, from becoming pure and clean. We can't fight darkness with darkness. You can only bring light. The only way to change this world, to change our community, is to change ourselves. Each one of us, you, me, we can't change anyone else. It's not enough to say that Islam is peace. We must become peace. We must be peace so that everyone around us experiences peace. Then, truth will be evident from falsehood. Jesus, alayhi salam, Sayyidina Isa, was a beautiful messenger, a beautiful vessel of light, messenger and prophet of God. He taught nothing but love for Allah and love for your fellow human being. He sought to help humanity step into the next level. Let us honor him and Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, by truly following in their footsteps. Not just in name, not just in identity, but in action and in intention. Let us realize the purpose of religion, the purpose of revelation, which is the transformation of the human being, the awakening of consciousness. It is the realization of your greatest potential, your true self. Allow that to be born. Embrace spirituality, embrace sincerity, embrace humility, piety, sincerity. Feed and nourish your heart and soul and be a living example of what Islam truly is. Let us take the life and the way of Prophet Jesus, Isa, salam, as a reminder of a reality that we can all attain. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove the diseases from our hearts and may He give us the strength and the guidance to emulate the character of Prophet Jesus May Allah give us the realization and help us remember what we have forgotten and may He forgive us for what we have forgotten. Allahumma ameen, ameen, ameen. Ameen. This brings us to the end of this episode. Alhamdulillah and thank you for tuning in. To continue supporting the Soul of Islam radio podcast, please do the following. Number one, like our page on facebook.com forward slash soul of Islam radio. Number two, make sure to subscribe. Three, 
please give us a review and a rating on iTunes or any of the services that you may come across. And lastly, please recommend to your family and all of your friends. Visit our website at soulofislamradio.com. There you can find a free multimedia course to help you rediscover the spiritual dimension of Islam, as well as subscription links to services such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and TuneIn, uh, links to our personal blogs and social media profiles, and a form for you, the listeners, to send us feedback or suggestions for future episodes. And with that, may the peace and the mercy of the Divine be upon you all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.